So I thought I'd talk today about the fact that our cause is a righteous cause. Amen. Ours is a righteous cause. Uh, never forget that, um, that God has purposed a holy people in the earth. Uh, even though he's looked out and seen much sin, much deception, uh, people just running to and fro, living their own way, he has purposed to bring forth a holy people in the earth uh, as representatives of him. Uh, we need to live holy uh, because we are representing a holy God. Even the world expects us to live different than they do. You know, when you have people in your job that find out you're a Christian, the first thing they want to do when they criticize you, oh, you're a Christian and you act like that? Huh? And so, and they have a right to do that. Why? Because there's great expectation out of us as people of God. And I think if we can keep that in mind and understand that there is an expectation to live righteous and holy in this earth, then we will understand sometimes better uh, some of the things that confront us. We'll understand uh, some of the issues that we have. We'll understand persecution, uh, why people are, why people who serve God, holy people, are fought and uh, try almost exterminated. Uh, we see that in the history of Israel. Uh, that as a people, they, uh, they were almost exterminated because they carry the mark of deity with them. See, they were God's people, just as we are God's people. Amen. And so I think if we, we really think about it and, and meditate on it, uh, it's not hard to maintain a righteous position in the earth. It's really not because God has given us all the tools to live holy, but we have to make that a point of purpose in our lives. We have to purpose in our hearts to live holy before God. So in first Peter uh one sixteen and fourteen thirteen it says wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought into you unto you at the revelation of Christ Jesus as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. So at one time we had no idea what God expected. We didn't even know God was around hardly. Or if we thought about him, we were scared to death. You know, we didn't know what he would do if he, we'd do if he ever showed up. And so we were ignorant of holiness and of the things of God. And so what Paul is saying here is don't keep conforming to that old way of thinking. When he says, gird up the loins of your mind, uh, when, when they talked about girding up, it means getting ready for battle. Amen. When you would see sometimes in, in the, um, uh, 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 books of, of uh, Samuel, uh, about King David, it would say, gird, he girded on his sword and he would, they with, what they did was they had what was called a girdle. It was a belt that fit around the waist. Amen. And they could put weapons on the inside of, of that. And it was it was around the loins of a person. So you would gird that up ready for battle. And so what Paul is saying here is to gird up the loins of your mind. Don't let your mind wander. Don't let yourself get caught in thinking about the old way you used to live. 
and and thinking about uh, uh, you know how horrible that was. You know, if you give too much attention to something, it will captivate you. You know, I, I can remember ministering to a young man that had come out of the world and God was doing some really good things for him. He loved the Lord, but he couldn't say no to his past. The enemy sent a person to follow him around from his old life. And instead of him saying no and affirm no, tried to make friends with don't want to offend nobody, don't want to reject anybody. Why not? That's the devil sending people like that around you. You understand what I'm saying? And so when we start letting our minds conform to the former lusts, the things that used to drive our lives, then that's that's where you step off out of holiness. Amen. You start stepping. It starts with your mind and eventually it gets in your heart. And so if you you spend enough time meditating on something you begin to conceive james says that he says but as he which has called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of this says here conversation but it means manner of living the way you speak the way you conduct yourselves the places you go the people you associate with those that you embrace be holy in all manner of things now holiness is different from uh being rejecting people and thinking you're too good for people you got me um you can you can relate to people you can relate to the the most depraved individual but you have to do it in a holy fashion you have to go to them understanding what god has you interacting with that person for is this an assignment from god is this something that that uh, you've undertaken yourself or you know are you on a crusade to do one thing or another we have to be careful to be in obedience to god in all things but once god puts you in a situation you can remain uh, a righteous and a holy person even though you're interacting with somebody who's cussing every five minutes and saying all kinds of weird things and you know you can can pre represent christ in that situation and not get get weak in your thinking and think that you've got to compromise your values or compromise position or anything like that. Uh, once you get your mind trained on maintaining your relationship with God, then holiness is not that difficult uh, to accomplish. Many times people will get, you know, this is what the devil's uh, uh, trap is. He'll get you to do one thing wrong and then beat you up for doing it. And then force you to say, well, you might as well give up now. You know, you ain't done that, so you might as well go and do the rest of it. You know, and this is how he gets people to backslide. Because they just, they play around too long in the devil's pig pen. And then when they try to come out, they find out it's not as easy to come out. See, some some sins people get in, they don't come out feeling as clean as they did when they were obedient and their heart was toward God. Once you let your heart get drawn off into a lust and you you begin to indulge in that, it's not the same thing as, you know, looking at a movie too long when you should have prayed. Y'all understand what I'm saying? See, there's a heart thing where you stay too long in the pig pen and now the devil's got your heart. 
And see, you just can't jump up and shake yourself like Samson. You know, he slept with whores and get up and shake himself off. Well, you need a bloodbath, Samson. You understand what I'm saying? You just can't shake that hoe off of you and get up and do mighty things for God. So the the best thing is not to play around with the devil to begin with. Huh? Keep your mind focused on I am holy. God is holy. I am holy. God is holy. I am holy. Get that scripture grained into your, your brain. Huh? Instead of, you know, some something having to do with, with prosperity like we always want to do. You know what I'm saying? Uh, getting the uh, picture of the airplane on the refrigerator and all that. So why don't you try living holy first? You understand what I'm saying? You know, you get up there in the airplane, you full of sin, it's going to fall out of the sky as quick as it got up there. So let's just get get first things first, all right? And then we'll we'll be on our way. So our God is holy because he declares himself so. Amen. And he declares us a holy people as well. Amen. So because of what he has declared, there is a mandate on us to live up to a certain standard. That's why you don't feel good when you make mistakes. And sometimes you ever sit around and your mind is kind of idle and you start thinking about wrong stuff you did even when you were in kindergarten. You know, I mean, that's just how the devil likes to captivate us. And that's how easy it is uh, to slip over into that carnal mindset and start to feel less of who you are. That's why God tells us in over and over again in his word, be holy because I am holy. I have come to share my holiness with you. And so when he commands that we be holy, he always has a plan for that to happen. This is not something you can make happen on your own. I don't care how many times you try not to do certain things. The fact that you wear yourself out in the trying, huh, becomes sin after a while. Because there's fatigue in there and you'll want to give up. But God says, just be holy. Well, how am I to be holy? Follow me. Amen. Jesus says to follow him and that makes it so much easier. This holiness is the purpose of the law and the commandments. Is so that we would be taught right from wrong. We would know what God expects. We would know the character of our God. The reason God tells us not to, to sin and lie because he doesn't. So if he doesn't do it, he expects us not to do it. And he gives us the means and the power to do that. So it is through holiness that we assume spiritual authority. So your holiness is what gives you authority to live right, talk right, think right, be a blessing and not be trouble all the time for people. So it is it 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 is how we assume spiritual authority. He gives us his law to obey to assure our holiness. So once you begin to walk in obedience to God, you feel a different way about yourself. You begin to feel a peace. You feel a confidence. You begin to understand that God's word is true. Your faith begins to rise up. You become a whole new person in your thinking, your speaking, your behaving. So holiness then becomes 
not just a way of behaving good all the time. It's not about what you do and don't do. It's about who you are on the inside. If you're a changed person on the inside, then you endeavor to stay close to God. You don't jump in and jump out and God is there only when you need something and when you feel like you're riding high, you don't need him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there is a, a desire then to live for God. There's a desire to please God. And then there's a knowledge that you can do it. It's not such an impossible thing to do after all. So you get that reassurance that you are friends with God. He's friends with you. You can ask anything. You can talk to him about anything. So when he says, be holy because I'm holy, that means let us walk together. Let us talk together. Let us commune at all times. Let us share the same mindset. Let us have the same vision for your life. When we start to look at holiness in that way and not as something we do or don't do, we wear or don't wear, even though, trust me, the wearing is is going to help you. You understand what I'm saying? It's going to help you. Because some of us stayed in the mirror too long as sinners. With with too little going on. Uh, y'all wasn't that cute, me either, you know what I'm saying? But being in that mirror tell you all kind of, mirror, mirror, <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall, huh? <laughs> so we all, you know, you see people on Facebook now, and they be talking, they put picture, different picture up there, and somebody say, you look beautiful. I say, huh? Yeah, I say it, and I ain't... I ain't ashamed of it. I don't care if you take three different selfies every day and post them three times a day. You ain't getting no cuter. I see everybody's feelings hurt. Come on now. Y'all know it's the truth. And you lying because you be clicking like on there. Every time it shows up, because you're scared not to hit like. <laughs> oh, this is fun. I might park here and preach for a minute. I think I done found my message. Stay off of there in vain things. Go somewhere and pray for somebody or turn your plate down. And instead of always trying to say, you can't suck everything in and take a picture and look good. Come on, stop it. I done tried. It ain't that easy. It ain't that easy. <laughs> People come up to me at their conference and say, can I take a picture with you? I said, girl, if you knew what it took me to get my face together enough to sit in front of her, are you kidding me? Don't be rushing up on me with no camera. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Takes a lot of work if you want to do this right. So, anywho. So holiness is not a state of behaving. It's not a state of behaving. It's who you are because of what's been imputed to you, what's been imparted to you. So you can't conjure this up. You can't make it any better and you can't mess it up. When God says be it, he means for you to be it. 
and you start receiving and accepting that you are holy because God says you are, because of what Jesus has done for you, because the Holy One dwells inside of you. So start listening to him, obeying him, and being obedient to what he tells you to do. And that's your holiness. When you begin to walk with God and begin to understand what you're here for, you're not here for you. I beg to differ. Huh? You're here for God. And what he tells you to do. What is he commanding you to do? What's on your heart that, that you want to see changed? What What's on your heart you want to see improved? Besides your bank book, your pocketbook, and your selfies. Killing that selfie devil today if I can. Huh? You see people. <laughs> Where did they put the camera to get rid of all that other stuff they got on their face? You ever see some of them pictures? It's like you, the camera way up here on the ceiling because we're going to suck all this in. And... <laughs> or get that, that, uh, that fluke photo somebody took of you. And you ain't never looked that good since then. Let me get that one out. Let me get that one. <laughs> hey, I do it too. Whatever. Everybody want to look good. But that can only occupy so much of your time, okay? You bore people with your selfies. Put something on there that's going to edify you. Hey, people just show their insecurity. That's all. I just look at it. I said, that poor thing. I said, God has blessed this person. It's a gifted person. They've got so much to offer, and they posting photos every day. There's more to you than what you look like or what you don't look like. Spend some time finding it. That's what holiness is all about. Find out what God has put in you that's a blessing to the earth. So it's not a state of behaving and avoiding sin only. You walk with Jesus, sin is not even in your mind. You understand what I'm saying? Now, you might get tempted here and there on certain things, you know, and and everybody has something that the enemy wants to ensnare you on. Sometimes you'll, you'll think you, you have to cut corners in order to meet your bills or you have to do things, you know, kind of underhanded. Because you're insecure, but God wants to make you secure in trusting him. You just got to stop and and wait it out. You know, it might be tense for a minute that you can't do things the same old way, but God will help you to maintain holiness. He doesn't want, he says he wants a bride without spot, wrinkle, flaw. He don't want no slick chick. He ain't married to no, you know, slick girls. He, you know, he likes it. He ain't married to no mean girls either. He's married to holy women. Amen. Holy means that you know how to undertake for him. You know, you're not always looking for something. <laughs> what a shock to me. <laughs> you know, I say, what do you mean? <laughs> yes. But Jesus, I learned how to be your ride or die. Amen. Cause it's, that's, that's the kind of life I want to live. That's what a holy, holy living for God is. Amen. So it is being a partaker of his holiness through shared desire and intent with God. 
So you have to know how to share God's desire for your life and for the earth and for the things of the earth. And I'm not talking about this, you know, Green New Deal or any of this nonsense stuff that people, ungodly people are always trying to speak for God. You know what I'm saying? God has already spoken about the condition of the earth. He says, as long as the earth remains, so whether it remains or not is under his control and not ours. Okay. And so as long as the earth remains, seed time, harvest, summer and winter cold and heat, it won't stop. So there are going to be seasons. There are going to be uh, days and years and all of that kind of stuff. But we're not going to, uh, destroy the earth because of what we do and how we use it god knows how to re we know how to replenish the earth we've been doing it for centuries so holiness is not a state of behaving and avoiding sin only amen it is being a partaker of his holiness through our shared desire and intent with god so we have to share his desire and his intent which means that there is a purpose for which God put us in the earth. He gave you gifts. He gave you abilities. He gave you talents. He gave you things that you like, things that you don't like. All of that is your makeup. He wants you to turn that over to him for a shared purpose. So the purpose of God becomes your purpose as well. That's what holiness is. So that's a part of holiness is sharing in the purpose of God, not just sitting around. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't do that. But being brave enough and bold enough to step out in faith in some of the things God puts on your heart to do. He wants us to go forth and conquer. He wants us to increase, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, all of those things. He wants us to be givers and doers and to enjoy doing it, to enjoy the life that he has given us. He does not want us forever lamenting our past. Your past is is past for that reason. Amen. It's over. Amen. Quit nursing it and putting it up as an excuse for not going forward. Your past is over. Amen. Let us just move on into holiness and into righteousness and fulfill the righteous cause of God for which he, for which, for which he placed us in the earth at this time. So we, when we share in God's life, he imparts holiness to us. It's an impartation. It's not something you earn. By not cussing for three weeks. It's not something you work up. And it's not something that you, you wear, like, you know, you only wear the certain clothes and you don't wear certain other clothes and all that kind of stuff. I think when you honor God, you obey His, His mandate for modest, modesty in, in your dress and apparel and all that kind of stuff. And, and not be a person that just wants to call attention to yourself. Selfie people! <laughs> Sorry. I thought I was done with it, but I seemed to go around the corner and come back again. I just went around the block and came back. But anyway, all right. So just indulge me for a little bit. So, uh, but don't let Facebook send you to hell. Cause see, the first thing you're gonna want is, is see how many likes you get. And if you're a woman, see if there are any men. And if you're a man, see if there are any women. 
Well, he's given us the means to fulfill every expectation that he has of us. We can do it. It's not going to take your effort, but it will take something is called grace. You need to understand that when God tells you to do something, you say yes to it. No matter if you feel like you want to do it, can do it. Huh? You say yes anyway. Because it's not up to you to empower yourself with the desire, the ability, or any, or the equipment, whatever, whatever, uh, uh, you know, things that it takes to fulfill these things. God will provide all of that or else he's not a holy God. See, a holy God would not tempt you and tell you to do something, expect something out of you and know you can't do it and not help you. Huh? So his holiness means that he has the ability to help us accomplish everything he puts before us. If we will just develop that trust of him and expectation and just say yes. Just like Mary told the servants when, when Jesus, uh, when they, they ran out of wine at the wedding. You know, she said, whatever he tells you to do, now you do it. And so, you know, in, in Hebrew culture, uh, the woman would be in charge of servants many times. So with her being an elder person, they would not refuse her. So she set her son up for his first miracle by making sure she pulled the servants into the faith that was rising up in her heart for what he was doing. And so when we start to operate in God's holiness, know that that holiness is a contagious thing. It can affect other people. Other people will pick it up. It will rise up in the hearts of others. We are ambassadors of his holiness. We are ambassadors of his life. When you impart the life of Christ to somebody through your words, through your testimony, sharing the gospel, praying with them for Jesus to come into their heart, you become an imparter of his holiness. So this is what he wants. He wants everybody to have that life that Jesus died to give to all of mankind and it is a holy life which means it's an it's a life that is not uh there's no penalty against us for living for God and we have to understand that cuz many times we'll sometimes from the reaction that we get for the things that we do and we say uh, in the in the in obedience to God we tend to think that there's something wrong you ever say something to somebody and, and, and they have a wrong reaction or they have a negative reaction to it and then you think, I shouldn't have said it or I shouldn't have said it like that or you get in your carnal mind and you want to fix up something that you didn't put out there to begin with. When your idea, you understand to say many of the things, we just open our mouth sometimes and God fills it with words. Or he may tell us things that he wants us to share with people, you know, to encourage them or to to share Christ. My thing is, I always offer to pray with people. You know, don't be the person that wants to tell someone, God told me to tell you this and God told me to tell you that. Please, 
You understand what I'm saying? Let people alone because you don't understand the witness that that puts before God to have to come through for you. You got me on a whim. All you got to do, if you see somebody who's looking downcast, say, you know what? Can I pray for you if God tells you to do it? Don't go looking around for somebody that looks goofy so you can, you know what I'm saying? Man, I have to call people off of people at our conferences because if you look in any wise like you might have a lack somewhere, somebody's going to come up to you and want to give you a word. Trust me. We keep running them out of the conference and they keep running back in again. I guess they haven't heard. Huh? But you come in these meetings so you can receive of God's holiness. Now what kind of minister would I be to let people pollute your spirit? Speak errant words into you. Just come up to you out of nowhere and tell you, God told me to tell you. He ain't told you that. Huh? Because if that's true, why don't you go to the person in charge of the meeting and let them know and ask them to judge it for the accuracy. Whether You should care enough about your fellow believer to care that you tell them the truth or to care that you're not making something up or to care that you're not in your flesh or you're not trying to flatter them. And that shows me we got a lot of people who are ignorant or don't care if they tell you something wrong or not. As much as we all need to stay in the right mode. We need to stay in the right place. And we need to put up rules for protection for one another to stay in the right place. Amen. That's what the community of believers is for. We are a sanctuary. It's a safe place to be. You know, you get, get enough hell out of people in the world when you're working with them every day. You come to church and there's somebody else want to grab you and tell you what God told them to tell you. Huh? Let's cut it out now. Let's be normal. Huh? Let's be normal. Huh? Thank you, Mr. Gary. It is, you know, you need to laugh about it because people make these mistakes. You understand what I'm saying? But we're old enough in God to quit doing it. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to be nice to everybody. But you got to act like you halfway throw somebody out, cuss them out or something to get them to behave. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You got to put the growl on. And then some of the spirits that you see come out of people when they're corrected. See, that takes the whole mask off. Huh? was a gentleman that his daughter was in the ministry and you know I saw him after the meeting want to go pray for somebody we just had a healing school he's running around in the back trying to find people to pray for and I said brother we've prayed for people already I don't let everybody come in and what and his face got beat red 
We had given him some prayer cloths. He threw them on the floor. I don't want none of your stuff. But he's praying for somebody. Remember that lady, Nola, because she's a minister's wife. We told her, no, we don't allow that here. If you have a word, what do you mean? I'm a woman of God and stuck her fingers, fingers still out there pointing everybody in the nose. You ask him if I ain't a woman of God. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll let y'all give you the mic. You can say what you want to say. You know what I'm saying? That's what they want. They ain't getting it. I don't care how mad you get. You can foam at the mouth and gnash on the floor. I ain't casting it. I'm going to let you take that devil right with you that you came in with. See, it's hell out here, folks. And hell is trying to push its way into the church and live there. You know, and then we'll read these stories about ministers is sleeping with 15 women in the church and, and prophesying and oh, the Holy Spirit shows up so big in his meetings. He's sleeping with somebody. End of conversation. Move on. When you don't see holiness, keep it moving. That's how cults get started. People get so attracted to somebody. They don't want to let go and don't want to, you know, they, they've left you so long ago. It's pathetic. Grow up. That's always your signal to exit. Huh? God always gave his people a way back to holiness even after they sinned. A holy God provides a way back why because a holy god is merciful huh a holy god is also a great high priest so he knows what we feel like he knows when we're tempted and if you will repent don't get out there and start making excuses and blaming everybody don't go on fix my life Because you don't want the saints roasting you. Huh? Well, you need to be roasted. Huh? And sat down and and shaking until you get some sense. No, the Bible says those who are spiritual restore them. That ain't me. Because I see myself coming in there with a cigar hanging out of my lip. With a naked light bulb. You take the saints of God and run over them like that. Huh? So I ain't the one. Alright. Go on to some of them other people that mess you up too. Huh? You know, during the, the early church, they had a system, a covenant system that, that they upheld. It was a, a position of discipline. And you can tell by some of the writings, some of the letters that Paul said. They like the story about the young man that was sleeping with his mother-in-law or something. Paul said, throw him out. You've given him enough chances to straighten up. He straighten up, just throw him out, okay? 
then there were times when they would tell them, uh, um, you know, certain things going on, like Ananias and Sapphira. They were under such a covenant of holiness and truth that they, the fact that they lied in the sanctuary, lied before God, God struck them down to maintain a standard of holiness. So God was maintaining a standard with his people in the early church. There are a number of things they did when they would have all things in common, where they would feed the widows and all that kind of stuff. They said, take care of widows who are widows indeed. In other words, not somebody that's pretending or walked off from a husband and he trying to get her back. Huh? When he said that, that if an unbeliever wants to depart, let them go. But there was a different standard for believers. If your husband was a believer, he didn't get to go nowhere. He went to the elders of the church. John, Mary says you ain't taking care of her and the kids and you've been missing for three days. Go home. Huh? You made a covenant with that woman. And we're the enforcers. Go home. Nobody wants you no way, John. Huh? You look married. You don't even look single. I used to tell my husband that. I said, you ain't going nowhere. I don't care how mad you get. I said, you don't even look like nobody who's looking for somebody. You look married. I said, some woman going to be scared. She's going to have to take care of you, so stay home. I say this for your own good. (laughs) You know, some people just get stupid. They get sit up and think about stuff. I don't want to do this. You ain't doing nothing. Take care of what you got. That's holiness. Taking care of your responsibility before God. And do it till you get happy about it. Sitting up there mad because you made a commitment to somebody. So God always gives us a way back to holiness. It's that important to him. It really is. It's that important that he have a holy people. He gives us, he gave Israel the system of sacrifices and offerings. Galatians 3.24 tells us something unique about that. That that period of time where God gave Israel the law and the prophets in Galatians 3.24, 19, wherefore then serves, what what is the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions, amen? You have to give people, teach them right and wrong when they're doing wrong. They have to be told that's wrong. Just like your kids, if they want to play around the stove all day long, you can't let them do it. So you teach right and wrong when they start to move toward doing things, and that's what happened with man. It says, transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. That's Jesus. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. So a mediator has to... to Mediate between two people, between parties. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, 
which could have given life. And that's what was missing from the old covenant. It's the life on it so that you could live that life. Righteousness should have been, which could have given life, truly righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture has concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ must might be given to them that believe. So really what this is saying, the Jew had no advantage over the Gentile, because everybody had to believe. So the Jew had to drop the law, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, and believe that the grace would be afforded him to obey the law. That's why they fought it so hard. It was too good to be true. He says, but before faith came, but the scriptures, sorry, 22, scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe, not just their faith, but his faith. Amen. That's how you get saved. You have to receive his faith. You can't brag on your faith anymore. It's the faith of the son of God. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. Shut up unto faith. So the law was there to remind us that we were sinners and remind us that we needed a holy God. Remind us that one day our sins would be forgiven. There was a better day coming. Remind us to hold on to what God had given us because there was glory under the law, folks, under that old covenant. God would show up with the Shekinah glory over the tent of meeting. And so there was there was enough understanding of God to keep the people looking forward to a better day. That's what the law was for. And he says... We were shut up unto faith, which should afterwards be revealed. So the the old, old Testament law was like a holding pattern for them. It was some. It was a place where they would be kept until the time of the fullness would come. It says, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. So it taught us right from wrong. It taught us from holy from profane. It taught us the good from the evil. It taught us all of those things so that when Christ came, we, our eyes would be open if we believed his teaching. And then we could see where all those shadows that we had learned were finally being fulfilled in him. That's why people had, the, the Jew had such a hard time letting go of the law. He for, be, believe it for a season, believe Christ for a season, and then turn back. Remember, Christ did the teaching on eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and all those people <laughs> shot on out of there. Well, if you don't believe in a covenant, you can't, you can't partake of who he is. So there were some hard things that he told people, but they had to endeavor to believe them. Amen. And so he he was there to complete and fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. Like it's not to say, oh, we can we can commit adultery. We can lie. We can steal. We can cheat now because the law has been done away with. It has not. It's been written in our hearts now. So it's not just a cold, dead piece of paper. It's a living inside you person. Amen. So the law of Jesus Christ has kept us. Amen. So these things kept Israel in holiness school until Christ came. That's the fullness. When Christ came, he was the final 
sacrifice and offering, the lamb of God, not the lamb of men. Hmm? So he was the lamb of God, not the lamb of men, because they had given many, men had given many lambs as sacrifices. So this one would not be pulled and picked by the high priest this time. This one was sent by God as the final sacrifice. So he takes away the sins of the world forever. So God can command holiness now because we have a better covenant with better promises. Our covenant never expires. We can't kill it. We can't make God um, get rid of get rid of the covenant or get rid of us because he really didn't cut the covenant with us. He cut it with himself. Because he could swear by no higher, he swore by himself to himself for his sake. So we were totally out of it. When God cut the covenant with Abraham, Abraham was asleep. Huh? He didn't even know what was going on. Why? So there would be no sin in the new covenant. Huh? The covenant that he cut with him, he had his son there as a representative. For the second part of the Trinity. So our covenant that we have is even better than that one. Because it's cut with a sinless man to pay for the price of sinful man. And then the sinless man is raised from the dead for our justification. So that he can live in us and guide us and help us to walk out holiness. So this is not anything you have to work hard to do. This is just something you have to accept and believe and expect God to help you. Expect God to keep you holy. Expect God to keep you righteous. Expect God to keep these things. The Holy Spirit will let you know the minute you mess up. He'll let you know when some thoughts come to you that you shouldn't have. And it's like, I can't think of that. No. Soft limits, because it ain't taking you where I got you going. Amen? So we have an imputed righteousness that remains on us as long as we believe. It's something you wear. It's like like your best dress or your best skirt that you like. Like uh, we used to say our uniform. <laughs> Chuck, we used to say, Chuck, let me get the uniform out now. We gotta go to this church or that church. Go, gotta, gotta get me uniform out. Huh? Amen. And it works for you too. Cause it becomes a point of contact for you to meet with God and be with God. Amen. It, it, it's a good thing to have folks. I'm not even going to go through clothes no more. I just, you know, I'm done with that, but. <laughs> huh? I remember, uh, you know, prophets like certain things sometimes, you know, it's, they're loud. Even when they quiet, they loud. You know what I'm saying? You can walk in a room and everybody goes and you go like, no, but you know what I'm saying? It just, there's a, a voice there that even when it's not spoken, it's still a voice. There's certain things that they, they will have a liking to. And, and I used to like cloaks and mantles, you know, that kind of stuff. And I remember, um, uh, what's her name? 
she came to the author's workshop that time. Um, she lives in Jane Tedesco Hotchkiss. Yeah. Um, she told a testimony. This was years ago. It, it's been over 20 years ago. And I used to keep a bunch of coat, uh, uh, a closet full of, of coats, you know, they were like mantles. It was my mantle. And, and I would wear them and preach in them and, and not wear them any other time. You know, I'd, I'd keep them for preaching only. And I remember going visiting her church and she wasn't, she wasn't in the ministry at that time. She was just sitting like close to the front row or something. And, uh, Sandy Brown was preaching there. But I spoke to Sandy. I said, I said, Sandy, I said, this, the lady, the Lord's telling me to, to prophesy to this lady. She said, Oh, go ahead, go ahead. You know, this is, that's somebody with sense, folks. You know what I'm saying? And I had the sense to not jump up and grab the mic. Huh? But you go to somebody in authority, you know, and Sandy had finished preaching. We were sitting on the front row and, and the Lord kept speaking to me about her. And I began to prophesy and, and said that God had called her as a prophetess. And I took my coat only when this was like in the fall or winter, close to the winter. And I placed it on her when, when she, when I prayed for her and she went out under the power, I placed that on her and never saw her again until she showed up at our meeting 20 years later. And she said that she said, uh, she said, I shook for three days. She said, when, when that was placed, see, when something's imparted to you, it's real. It's not, you know what I mean. I'm getting your mantle and I'm getting this and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she says that she kept it for the longest time and she said they would get it out and pray with it. She said she kept it in, in her closet and treated it special. She said, and the kids would say, well, Ma, can we, can we get, she said, okay, come on, let's go get it and we'll pray, you know, and that kind of stuff. Because she recognized that God had placed her in a different place with that. You understand what I'm saying? So these things are real. And of course, religious people play with them and make them up and act crazy and all that kind of stuff. But, but, <laughs> ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. You know what I'm saying? You can't compare it to anything else that you know anything about because God does what he wants to do. But you have to respect that holiness. That it sets you apart from everybody else. It sets you apart from sinners. It sets you apart from people you work with. You're not the same people as they are. You might come to the same job. You do some of the same things. All of that. But you are on a holy mission. Amen. So there is a righteous warfare that we are engaged in automatically when we put on Christ. So the warfare starts the minute you get born again. Whether you recognize it or not, whether you, and see, this is what the enemy likes to do. Keep us ignorant to what's really going on. Amen. And, and he likes it when Christians take things personally. He likes offending people. He likes us getting offended with one another. He likes us falling out with each other. And he said, look, I got him now. But, you know, this, there's nothing personal involved in this anymore. 
Why? Because you've given your life to Christ. You're not who you were anymore. You don't have like, um, uh, you know, your own wants, your own needs, your own, none of that apart from what God wants for you. And anything that God puts, gets you involved in, he can get you out of it. He can help you master it. He can give you victory over it. Don't take this stuff personal. Amen. It's not personal. It has to do with your righteousness and your holiness. God said, be holy. In other words, wear this holiness that I give you. And when you wear it, any trouble it gets you into, I'll get you out of it. Any persecution you suffer, I will heal your wounds. Learn how to come to me with what's bugging you and quit going to 15 different people. Telling them how mean people are to you. For you Facebook church hurt people. I just put on there one time. I said, y'all don't stay in church long enough to get hurt. Huh? Most people don't. When something happens they don't like, they get to moving, get to shuffling, get to, huh? People, they're too instant, too casual, too, something ain't right. That, that ain't holiness. That ain't righteousness. You know, even a mean Baptist would tell them, they ain't running me out of here. Huh? Uh, right answer, wrong attitude. But they were determined to stay where God placed them. You got me? And it, like they say, I didn't seen them fight before. I didn't seen the pastor pull a gun on people before. They ain't running me out of here. I'll be here when, right? <laughs> so. Many times we don't see what we're going through as warfare because we think it's us. Uh -huh. <laughs> Cause the enemy comes to you in your own voice. He sounds like you telling you, you messed up. You're no good. God will never forgive you. Look at what you done done. Now, how could you do that? What kind of Christian are you? Know what you need to tell them to stick around, devil. I'm going to do something else, too. And guess what? God's going to forgive me of that. Something you can't get with your stupid self. Who gets thrown out of heaven? Talk to me. So you need to be able to discern that that familiar voice that you hear is not you talking to you what God wants you to say. And the only way you can do that is you got to learn the word. You got to know the word. When that voice, I don't care how familiar and, and soothing the voice sounds, if it tells you something contrary to the word of God, it didn't come from God. You hear me? It's the devil trying to trick you again, telling you you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. I'd be sitting up chilling, and I say, oh, I can relax, I can do this. And all of a sudden, I say, you need to be up. Look at that floor over there. You need to be up cleaning that floor. You need to be, I'll get it when I get around to it. Huh? And devil ain't never cleaned my house for me. If he did, I could save plenty money. <laughs> Oops. I, I was scared to ask my, there, I had a, a lady that when I was doing hair, I'd do her hair and, and she did house cleaning. And so I asked her one time, I said, what do you charge? And she, 
she told me, I don't know, I could do that. So I had her, had her clean and never told my husband. <laughs> Cause it was daytime. What did he know? He didn't need to know all of that. All he did was expected to be clean. He didn't say by who. Ah. Uh, and I got busted one time. I, I think he changed shifts or something and I forgot to tell her. He, she had a key and was coming in. <laughs> got busted with the help. But he liked her. He'd fix her coffee and I'm sitting there looking like with an empty cup. I said, is there none for me, sir? Huh? <laughs> oh, they be chitting and chatting and can't huh? So, hey, but. I don't know how I got over there. But anyway, amen. So holiness, amen. You gotta, you gotta know the voice talking to you, whether it's God or not. And you judge that by the word. You can't tell by the tone. You can't tell, cause there's some slick people out here, huh? They'll tell you all kind of stuff they think you want to hear to get you accustomed to them. You know what I'm saying? Speaking into your, your brain. Amen. So when we measure what the voice says, we not how it sounds, we begin to discern righteousness versus unrighteousness. Ezekiel 44.23 says that God will give us teachers to help us discern the holy from the profane. That's what teachers are supposed to teach you, holiness. Huh? And see, if we tell you to, to, uh, you know, I had a thing where women were coming in church with, with jeans with holes in them. I said, no, sweetie, you can't wear that in here. We don't, we don't come. This is a sanctuary. You know what sanctuary is? It's a safe place to bring your husband, your sons, your girls. Everybody in your, your, your family that's vulnerable, even some of the older saints, they look at that and before you know it, you got a rash of thighs hanging out. <sighs> and see, we think nothing of it because we're so desperate for people to come in and we don't care what they look like. God cares what we look like. God cares if somebody, some woman sits there with her thighs out and your husband looks at it the whole time the service is going on. You laughing mighty hard sitting up there. What's... Huh? The guilty one's always... I'm messing with you. But we got to recognize the devil, folks. You wear that in the streets. Come in here, you wear something presentable, you know. Put a skirt on. You don't want a skirt, put some pants on and cover. Um, well, I can't even say that. I see women preaching on television. They hanging out. You understand? Everybody trying to look good all of a sudden. What's up with that? Huh? Or the men, oh, Lord, don't let me get started on that. They all in the gym now, you know. Uh-huh. Been working out and all that kind of stuff. It's more gay men in them gyms where them pastors hang out. I wouldn't go, even if I got a free membership, I wouldn't go. 
couldn't pay me to go in that den of vipers. It's the truth. Let me fix your, let me fix your, uh, you want more weight on there? You look like the kind of guy that. I wish I was married to somebody. I tip up in there. I'd be sitting on the little, the little thing next to him, just lifting my. How you doing? You spend so much time here. I thought I'd come by and see what it's all about. Maybe it'll help me out a little bit. Let's forget that, you know, just, just folks, don't play with the devil, okay? Don't play with him. Warfare starts the minute you get saved. The devil's arrayed against you. Oh, well, I'm just a baby Christian. <laughs> you think he cares? He likes you better than he likes the older saints. He'll take anybody. You don't think, you think he cares about killing you as a baby Christian, making you backslide and regret you ever, whatever you did for the rest of your life? The word profane really means outside the temple. It's anything that's outside of the will of God for you, anything that's outside of the word of God for you. So it doesn't have to do with just bad stuff. Outside the temple means outside of what God tells you you're supposed to do. Well, it's not wrong. That's not the point. Holy people obey the holy God. You can't be holy without him. Holy is holy. Profane is profane. This is why God gives us teachers. Amen. And make sure your teacher lives right. Amen. Be following nobody just because, oh yeah, they, they, well you know they used to sing with, with the, yeah, whatever, whatever. They, they play with Prince, you know. As long as you, they on television, you think they all that. Profane means to violate the honor of something or the honor of someone. To profane it means to violate that, that individual's honor. Amen. If, if a woman profanes her husband, that means she flirts with other men. Running around wearing stuff she ain't supposed to be. It means to play the part of the prostitute. Amen. Holiness keeps everything in its proper place and gives due honor to everyone. God, man, everybody. Our righteous war is really a war of vigilance. We have to be vigilant over our spiritual discernment and choose the right path regardless of who is involved. When we choose feelings over the law of God, we are no longer righteous. Amen? We have to make the righteous choice. We have righteousness available to us, but we must still choose to act in a righteous manner. Amen? So sometimes you got to make hard choices. 
you're going to walk away from, from things that you used to enjoy. You have to just let God take the taste because they don't, they don't factor into where you're going. They're not going to be a part of your future. So you have to let them fall away over into the past. We may have to wrestle with all levels of the forces of darkness to establish victory in our righteous war. And what has God called you to war over as an individual? Well, you're to war over your own life. The enemy's coming to take you out. Soon as he, the sooner the better as far as he's concerned. Amen. You have to war over the lives of your loved ones. You can't let the devil keep a stranglehold over your loved ones. They have a calling to holiness just like you do. Amen. You have to war, uh, the forces that you have to war over uh, involve your life in the church, in the church universal. That means all believers everywhere. You have to wrestle against dark forces that are trying to take out the church and silence her voice. You war over cities where the enemy would try and come in and turn it into a, a dump like in major cities that we have have now, uh, there's no reason why people should be living like that. Huh? No reason, absolutely. But but what happens is that evil gets it works in dark areas, and then one day it's all exposed. See, we're living in a day now of great exposure of darkness. God's just turned the light on, Amen. And He's turned the light on in His people. There's gross darkness over our major cities. Illnesses are coming back back because of contamination that we have not seen since we invented indoor plumbing. And so now we're seeing different plagues coming about, typhus, all kinds of, of communicable diseases. Why? Because there are major cities where people urinate and defecate on the streets. They make out maps in L.A. to tell you what streets not to go on so you can avoid human waste. And they just let it happen. See, The rebellion has gotten so great in the hearts of the people that run the cities. So God is, is taking down governments that don't serve the people, all the people, that don't keep sanitary conditions for normal people that don't leave safety for your children to walk down the street where they want to go. Amen. And we also, we, we war over governments. Who runs your state? Who runs your city? We wage warfare over that. Amen. And don't say, well, the people keep voting them in. God will change them if somebody will get an idea of holiness. If they're unrighteous people and they're not doing the right thing with the money they're given, God wants them out. Amen. He wants them out. And so we'll start to confront these spirits that rule over our cities and rule over nations. The other area that we do war over is the war over nations. Amen. 
you'll see now in in red china now this is kind of interesting people in america burn the flag and people in in taiwan uh no hong kong are flying the american flag because they look at us as a place where democracy rules where freedom rules you got it so the devil's got people so confused and so upset about nothing they're upset about him amen and don't have the holiness and the righteousness in them to know how to direct their warfare. But God has a people, amen, who don't care, amen, about any of this stuff. See, you can't be intimidated when people tell you, well, don't, don't preach against homosexuality. What's well, a sin? What are we here for? Are we here to, to give a, a pat on the back to everybody? I know. You're doing somebody a favor when you inform them, huh? And don't take it for granted that they know, huh? You'll hear people say, well, you don't just have to come out and say it because people know when they're doing wrong. Well, I'm going to tell them again. Then that way it won't be news to them, will it? Huh? Keep telling. That's the only message we got. I quit saying that. I have no message. You got me? <laughs> So, and I don't plan on giving up the ghost. You got me? Till God says it's time to leave here. I will keep preaching. Holiness. Living right. Huh? Respecting the sanctuary. Respecting the dignity of your brother and sister in the Lord. We've got to do things like that, folks. We just can't. You, you, you get out there with that kind of attitude and the devil will cream you. Because he's got something waiting for everybody who's casual about holiness, everybody who's casual about repentance. You get casual about and get sloppy about grace. Huh? Poor Grace, she gets called everything. Huh? When grace is really the ability to do good. It's not getting away with something. What kind of place people live in? Amen? It's God's influence on your heart. Grace is holiness. You understand what I'm saying? It's the ability, the power to do right. It's not the, the uh, you know, hall pass to do wrong. You can run through hell all day long and then go back into heaven again. That ain't grace, folks, okay? That's, that's the wrong thing they talking about there. But God wants us to, to focus on righteousness, holiness, because there's a lot of blurred lines out there. A lot of people running around in pulpits with crowds of 10, 20,000 people, huh? And don't know how to go home to the spouse, huh? Yeah, see, I don't get involved with these groups. You know, people say, well, we want to form a group. (laughs) No, thank you. Yeah, we we want to oversee. No, mm, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, 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 no. No, let them go to God. Why don't we all go to God for a change instead of having this bogus group of overseers? They gonna oversee your ministry? No, you ain't. You don't have a clue what I do. And I ain't telling you either. <laughs> Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you for blessing us, Lord, to know who we are in you. Thank you, Jesus. You the best. Amen. You're a great God.
powerful God, merciful and loving God. Thank you, Lord, for sparing lives and property during this last quote-unquote hurricane. We will continue to speak to the mountains. We'll continue to speak to destruction. We bless you and we praise you that we are a holy people waging a holy war in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. Amen and amen again. Praise God.